so, uh, new format, and um, we, we did happen to forget to put it on two sides, so next week we'll know better and we'll put that on two sides and save a little bit more paper, and that really is the point, to just try and save on some of the, the production costs of paper and toner and all that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, this is a, a, a wonderful opportunity for us to just look at all of the different things that are happening in the context of this ministry. Um, please note that in February there will be a, an annual meeting on the 26th between services. Um, anything to announce about that, AJ? Okay, so any reports due get to AJ by the 5th of February. Um, Bible and Biscuit continues to meet on Tuesday, and that's a, a wonderful opportunity to, to ha have good conversation around the scriptures and life experiences. Um, adult Sunday School is continuing over in uh, the, the Sunday School room off Perry Hall. Um, Guy, anything to add to, to that? Just, it's all right there. Okay. Um, and Guy is uh, faithfully leading that and has a wonderful uh, program set up for you. Uh, music, thank you for all you do. Would you like some help? Yes. So, any, anyone that wants to add to the, the joy of, of adding worship music to this place, please let us know. You are more than welcome. Study groups are continuing. Beer and hymns tonight? I think I'm going to attend that. That just sounds like too much fun. Um, at Waterman's Brewery, um, hopefully we'll see maybe a, a handful of you all there. And then Lunch Bunch has, uh, has picked out where they're going to meet this next month, and it's in there. And, of course, community, everything, it's all here. Take it with you. And uh, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship our great God this beautiful morning. As we turn to the baptismal font for the confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who makes all things new, whose mercy endures forever. Amen. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin. Holy One, source of our renewal, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We have not practiced your righteousness. Our hearts have turned away from you. For the sake of the world you so love, forgive us that we may be reconciled to one another for the glory of your holy name. Amen. Thus says our God, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. God's mercy makes us new. We are forgiven in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I lift your name. 
that always goes before us and follows after us. Summon us into your light and direct our steps in the way of goodness that come through the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, as at this time I invite Mr. Don Sieber forward, who will be bringing a, a temple talk um, as it relates to the, the, the Via de Cristo, North Carolina Via de Cristo. Come on up here, Don. Don and I have known each other for a long time, but haven't seen each other in a long time, so it's good to see you again. Yes, sir. Good morning. My name is Don Sieber, and I hope, and I'm here to talk to you about Via de Cristo, a movement in the Lutheran Church that is led by lay people, but it's a united effort of laity and clergy to aid congregations in developing Christian leaders to more effectively serve Christ in the church. I'm on the Secretariat, which is the board of Eastern North Carolina Via de Cristo. The Secretariat is a body that's responsible for holding Via de Cristo retreat weekends in Eastern North Carolina. And I'm here to offer you an opportunity to attend such a, great, uh, such a retreat. I've been a member of St. Peter Lutheran in Southport for about 30 years. Um, and my wife and I currently worship at St. Philip in Raleigh. Vita Cristo is a Spanish term meaning way of Christ. It's a three-day leadership experience with New Testament look at a Christian lifestyle. <clears throat> Vita Cristo starts with a highly structured three-day weekend designed to strengthen and renew the faith of Christian people <clears throat> through them, their families, their churches, and the environment in which they live and work. The movement originated as Curcio in the late 1940s in Spain, and it was brought to the United States by a couple of Spanish airmen who were um, uh, training in uh, Texas, and that was in the late 50s. It continues to be called Curcio in the Roman Catholic and Episcopal traditions, and has other names in various Christian denominations like Walk to Emmaus, Tres Dias, and there's even a, a youth version called Teens Encounter Christ. So who should attend a Vita Cristo weekend? While it has a decidedly Lutheran flavor, Christians from all walks of life are welcome, lay people and clergy. Good candidates for Vita Cristo are people living strong and active Christian lives and those seeking renewal and strengthening their relationship with, uh, with Christ and persons around them. All, all adults who wish to strengthen their relationship with Christ are encouraged to consider attending, regardless of where you are in life. In Eastern North Carolina, women and men attend the weekend together at beautiful Camp Agape near Fuque Varina in the hills above the Cape Fear River. I was there yesterday on a retreat with the Secretariat, and I stepped out of the lodge and you could hear absolutely nothing. I promise you, you hear absolutely nothing. It is, it is gorgeous. <clears throat> we'll hold two retreats this coming year. One of them is, is coming up in February and one in September. So what happens on a weekend? Well, the Vieta Cristo weekend begins on a Thursday evening and ends on a Sunday afternoon. During the weekend, you'll attend morning and evening chapel services celebrate communion, pray, sing, enjoy fellowship, eat delicious food, make new friends, and engage in lively discussions with laity and clergy. <clears throat> Each participant experiences the weekend a little differently, but all have the opportunity to deepen their relationship with Christ. While the weekend is about building up Christian leaders, there are no mandatory role-playing activities, and you won't be asked to serve in a leadership role. It's an experience, not a workshop. In fact, all the leadership will be provided by people just like you who have previously attended a weekend. And then what happens after a weekend? The period after the weekend is called the fourth day, and it lasts for the rest of your life. I'm in the 23rd year of my fourth day. During, that, during the fourth day, you're asked and encouraged to do two things. Expand your spiritual life through study and church participation and become a more active Christian in your daily life. 
Everyone who's attended a previous weekend is part of your fourth day community. And many of them who are close to you will be able to support you in your continued spiritual growth. I know there's a lot of, well, there's a, num a large number of people here at, uh, at your church who've attended the Via de Cristo, and I'd like to ask them to stand right now so you can see who they are. Yep, him too. <clears throat> Thanks. I want you to recognize them because they're part of your fourth day community and they can help you answer questions about what to expect on a weekend. And now that, that they've attended, they're gonna be happy to share with you their experience and this wonderful gift from God. <clears throat> Another experience from yesterday, we had a devotion and it was about, um, about gifted, gift and call. And it dawned on me while we were talking about it that um, that the gift comes before the call. And that gift is God's amazing grace. And this weekend is all about understanding and experiencing that amazing grace so that you recognize that you are called daily to serve Christ. So we ask you give prayerful consideration to attending a Vita Cristo weekend. Please keep an open heart and mind as you make that decision. If you choose to join us, I pray you'll return as a blessing to this congregation and to coastal North Carolina. The next weekend is on February 16th to 19th, and it's getting close, but it's really still not too late if you're interested in attending on that weekend. You can find more information on our website. It's encvdc.org. That's like Eastern North Carolina, viatacristo.org. And I'll be available after the service. I think um, Karen and Leslie, and thanks for inviting me, uh, will, will join me and, and hopefully other folks who've attended. <clears throat> so please make, consider that, pray about it, and we'll be glad to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Don. I appreciate your time with us. So we're going to try something new. And uh, we're going to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. And as they do, I'm going to teach you a song. And hopefully we'll, we'll be able to use this song. And when, when uh, Diana gets back from her trip, um, we'll put it to music and we'll all sing it together from, from week to week. So are you ready, Luke? Repeat after me. Jesus said, let the children come. Jesus said, let the children come. Do not stop them, but urge them on. Do not stop them, but urge them on. For to these the kingdom of heaven belongs. For to these the kingdom of heaven belongs. As they grow in their faith, the church will grow strong. As they grow in their faith, the church will grow strong. Jesus said, let the children come. Jesus said, let the children come. Let the children come, let the children come. Now, in one of my former congregations, if only one child came forward, he would always correct me and say, it's a child, Pastor Jeffrey. Let the child come. But Leah is here to be our, our stand-in child. And so, hi, Luke. How are you today? Good. So, Jesus, in the gospel reading for today, approaches a couple of guys that are fishing on the lake. Have you ever fished? Have you ever been fishing? No? Have you ever seen someone fishing? What are they trying to do when they fish? Ah, that's, that's a good point to make. But the fish, the fishermen are trying to catch fish, right? And because a lot of people like to eat fish, or they just like to throw them back and just do it for sport. But Jesus said to these fishermen, if you come with me, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. So I thought we'd give it a try. You want to see how that works? Can you help me? I have a fishing net here. And if I can get it pulled out here. Come on up here, Luke. And can you hold part of this with me? There we go. There, there, it'll be there. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to use this fishing net, 
and we're going to cast it out there into the congregation, and we're going to catch us some people. You ready? Here, grab that. Okay. Are you ready? You've got to be careful, though, because those are, those, those are weighted, and they're a little bit heavy. Okay, so let's go ahead and walk out here and get ready to catch some people, just like Jesus said we could. All right, are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, one, oh, wait a minute. This isn't making a whole lot of sense right now because people might get caught up in here and, and, and get stuck, and that would make our worship really awkward, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? If we hit you in the head with these weights. And so I don't, I'm wondering if Jesus had something else in mind than fishing with fishing nets or fishing hooks to catch people. I bet Jesus wanted us to catch people with our nets of love and being kind to one another and sharing your toys with your friends and helping your mommy and your daddy whenever they ask you for some help and saying, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and, and just being kind and helping people. I think that's what Jesus wants us to do to fish for people is to gather them with God's love not with a fishing net, right? Would you agree? <laughs> Scrunching your face up. Well, I think if you can share that fire truck with your friends, that would be catching people for God. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear God, can you repeat that for me? Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Help us to remember, everybody can repeat, help us to remember that you want us to fish for people, that you want us to fish for people, not with a net, not with a net, but with your love, with your love. Teach us your love. Teach us your love as we follow Jesus, as we follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming forward. Will you help me put that back in the box right here, Luke? Yeah, that string needs to just go back up in there. And you know what? We might not get it all in the box right now. I might have to do that a little bit later. So just set it right there. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Leah. Have a good day. Don't take that, Helen. The first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 9. The northern tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali experienced the gloom of defeat by Assyrian military forces, but they are assured that their condition will be reversed when God makes a light-filled appearance. The joy they will experience will resemble celebrations of great harvests because God will deliver them from everything that diminishes or oppresses them. A reading from Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who are in anguish, in anguish in the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Reading from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One, one thing, thing I ask of the Lord, one, one thing, thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek God in the temple. For in the day of trouble, God will give me shelter. Hide me in the hidden places of the sanctuary and raise me high upon a rock. Even now my head is lifted above my enemies who surround me. 
Therefore, I will offer sacrifice in the sanctuary, sacrifices of rejoicing, and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice, O Lord, when I call. Have mercy on me and answer me. My heart seeks your message. Seek my face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not away from your servant in anger. Cast me not away. You have been my helper. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul calls on the Corinthians to end their dissensions and share the unified outlook of the gospel. Discord arises when we forget that we belong not to human leaders or institutions, but to Christ. Indeed, the unifying word of the cross of Christ is the center of the gospel and the power of God's salvation. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Caius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us stand together as we sing Hallelujah. 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 Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. I'm going to be sharing with you from the, the Message Bible translation, a little bit different than what you're going to read in your bulletin. When Jesus got word that John had been arrested, he returned to Galilee. He moved from his hometown Nazareth to the lakeside village of Capernaum, nestled at the base of the Zebulun and Naphtali hills. The move completed Isaiah's revelation, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, road to the sea over Jordan, Galilee, crossroads for the nations. People sitting out their lives in the dark saw a huge light. Sitting in that dark, dark country of death, they watched the sun come up. The Isaiah prophesied revelation came to life in Galilee the moment Jesus started preaching. He picked up where John left off. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. A short distance down the beach, they came upon another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their nets. Jesus made the same offer to them. 
and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning their boat and father. From there, he went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme, that beginning right now, they were under God's government, a good government. He also healed people of their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Have you ever misplaced something? And when you went to look for it, you just couldn't put your eyes on it. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. And so you might ask someone, your spouse as an example, with, with a, a, a sentence like this, Honey, have you seen my keys? Your spouse answers from the other room, They're right where you left them, right there on the counter. And so you look, and you look. And you look, and you move the drying, the dish drying towel that you just used, and you overturn the coffee cup that you had rinsed out, and you just can't find your keys. And so now, agitated with yourself, you say, I can't find them. Will you come help me? Your spouse comes from the other room and goes right to the keys, picks them up, hands them to you, proving that they were there all along, and now you feel really silly. That's happened to me. I'll bet it's happened to you. Have you heard the phrase, hidden in plain sight? Of course. Today in the gospel reading, we, we revisit the occasion when Jesus begins to gather his followers. We know them to be disciples. And so, for a little clarity, some background information can be helpful at this point. Being male in the culture in which Jesus lived, meant that at a certain age, young boys were considered for discipleship with the, the local rabbi who would be in, in whatever village that they were growing up in. It was customary for the young boys to be schooled in the Hebrew faith and tradition by this rabbi slash teacher, whoever it was that was in their village. Some of those boys would then be selected for further pursuits by their rabbi which would have been an honor for them, certainly, and, and their families. It would have meant that the rabbi saw something promising in them and then would intensify their studies by teaching these young boys, these young minds, out of the, the rabbi's own experience of having studied the Hebrew scriptures as well as the application of those in the rabbi's life. Now, some of the young boys, though, were let go to return back to their homes, and typically to pursue the trade of their father. Presumably, the, the rabbi, the teacher, didn't see such promise for advancement in those boys. It's conceivable, then, that there could have been some, some sense of disappointment felt, right? by these boys and their families, as clearly they did not measure up to whatever it was, the standard that the, the rabbi of the day had for discipleship, which makes the scenario we encounter today so very meaningful. Jesus is walking along the shoreline of Galilee. We don't know why specifically, Matthew doesn't tell us, other than that this is a, a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah which relocates Jesus to this place geographically. The way Matthew describes it, Jesus happens upon two brothers fishing. Conceivably, Andrew and Simon, when they were young boys, had been two of those boys that when, were disappointedly let go by the rabbi, not able to finish their studies, and went back to pursue the trade of their father, which clearly was fishing. There's no indication that Jesus knew these men in advance. There's no reason to think that Jesus was, was there on the shore seeking out these spe specific individuals. He would have obviously known that they had not made the cut earlier in their rabbinic pursuits, right? So here they are fishermen, just as their father did. They were, they were simple fishermen. 
And it's to them that Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Now, one of the things that Matthew wants us to understand as we read his gospel account is that there is a, sort of like today, a lot of social and political and religious tension that was just simmering at the very surface of society. That's why Matthew includes that part about John the Baptist having been arrested. And relatedly then, Jesus' decision to come to this place from his hometown in Nazareth, that context in which then he began his public ministry, essentially picking up, as Matthew says, where John left off. So choosing these two brothers, a little further along the shore, sons of Zebedee, in addition, is important. It's remarkable. The fisher, these fishermen were, were rabbinical rejections, very likely, and, and discipleship standards were not clearly not what the, the, the rabbi who had worked with them earlier wanted. And yet Jesus, against the backdrop of lots of tension, reframes their paradigm of life with a simple invitation, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you a new kind of fisherman. I'll show you how to catch men and women, not fish. That these pairs of brothers immediately left what they were doing to pursue a chance at discipleship with this itinerant rabbi may not be so far-fetched as we might otherwise think. Remember, it would have been an honor to be chosen to be a disciple of a rabbi. It's conceivable, then, that Zebedee encouraged his boys, and likewise, perhaps, those who were fishing with Andrew and Simon to go ahead and follow Jesus. It's an honor. Again, the backdrop is informative here. People were looking for evidence of God, of which they had largely lost sight over the years. Under the thumb of the Roman Empire and, and now generations removed from the, the former glorious status under historical kings like Saul and David and Solomon, the people were desperate for some sense that God had not abandoned them or forsaken them. Indeed, they were looking God. So when Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, it's as though he's showing them exactly where God is, even in that crazy tense atmosphere, sort of like the keys on the counter, which were overlooked and overlooked, but were there. That through his life, through his ministry and suffering and, and death and resurrection, Jesus would help them to once again see that God is with them. And they are with God. I suspect we often think that if Jesus found us out of the blue, just sort of wandering along life's pathway and said, follow me, would we immediately drop what we were doing and follow? I mean, who would do that? You've probably questioned that, right? You would do that. You would do that. I would do that. If it's a matter of being able to, to experience and know that God is near and that we are near God, you would do that. You have done that. In your bulletin, on page 9, Go ahead and open it up. This is why I've added page numbers, so I can have you go back and easily find what I'm referencing. But on page 9 below the sermon title, you'll see this image. It's called a stereograph. And it's a computer-generated image. And when you stare at it long enough, your eyes will adjust to the patterns in that image, and it'll show a, a three-dimensional display. 
You sort of have to look right through the page, right in the center of the page, and for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds or so, your, your eyes will adjust and the patterns will emerge. And in this particular image, it is three crosses of Calvary, and then below that is an open grave, the stone rolled away, signifying the resurrection. Now, you're probably not going to get it because you're under pressure to do it here. <laughs> but take that home with you, because I want you to be reminded of your calling. As a baptized follower of Jesus, you are called, like the first disciples, to live your life with, with a sense of immediacy, of, of urgency. That like the first disciples, you live your life looking deeper into the, the circumstances in which you live for evidence that, that God is here. Even when at times God's presence seems distant or hidden, God is always there in your midst. The kingdom of heaven has come near, Jesus says. And furthermore, by experiencing that presence, you are in a position to show others that presence through your life, your words, your actions. Do you see? That's what repent means, right? To change, be the change. Inspired by God's presence in your life, God that is in, with, and through you, join with the fisherfolk of Jesus' day as your calling, along with the rest, is to seek to catch people by casting, not nets for fish, but like we talked about with Luke and Leah, nets of love, of kindness, of, of the willingness to forgive, of of generosity, of, of tolerance, of your sense of peace in knowing Jesus, and, and especially knowing that Jesus knows you, and Jesus calls you right in the midst of where you are, wherever that might be, and says, follow me. Be Jesus' disciple, which you are. Amen.
Let us confess to one another and the world the truth of our baptismal faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Call together to follow Jesus, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Make your church one in purpose, proclaiming the message of the cross. Help us to work together across differences. Energize ecumenical partnerships, including the World Council of Churches and the Lutheran World Federation. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We rejoice at the bounty of your creation. Fill the land and sea with your abundance. Bless harvests in the Southern Hemisphere and fallow fields in the Northern Hemisphere. Equip farmers to till and keep the earth sustainably. Merciful God, receive our prayer. In Christ, your reign comes near and calls us to repentance. Break the rod of the oppressor in every nation, dispel the shadow of death in places of war and persecution. Grant us leaders who lift the yokes that burden those in need. Merciful God, hear our prayer. Be a stronghold for those in trouble and a rock for all who are afraid. Rouse committees to care for neighbors who need shelter are facing maltreatment, or are isolated and lonely. Care for those for whom we pray, especially Guy Beal, Susan Bayman, John Daly, Alberta Holden, Paul Letts, Mary Lou Schofield, Lisa Strong, Ron Wagner, Kathy Lear, Leo Schusler, Nancy McKinn, Carolyn Masakis, Marshall Jones, Betty Gregg, Ellie Bailsford, Carolyn Stroud, Peter, Fran Carpenter, Georgia Begley, Frank LaRosa, Robert Maltinerno, Bob Barnett, Damar O'Hamlin, Shelley Warner, Anna, Susan Graham, Gaby Maltinero, Ruth Altman, Philip James, and for all whom we name aloud or in the quiet of our thoughts. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Sustain the ministries of this congregation and all churches in this community. Nurture each congregation's unique witness to your presence. Foster mutual respect, inspire our cooperation in loving our neighbors. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We praise you for the faithful who have gone ahead of us, both famous and unknown. Help us to leave our nets and follow and bring us with them to the fullness of your promise of eternal life. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We bring to you our needs and hopes, O God, trusting your wisdom and power revealed in Christ crucified. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always and also with you. Let us share Christ's peace with one another. Peace be with you. Yeah. Peace be with you. I invite the congregation to please stand as we sing the offering song. And if I had known Doug Austin was going to show up today, I would have asked him to play the guitar. <laughs> You're going to have to put up with my intermediate skills. We sing, we are, and they'll know we are Christians. 
we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, yes, they'll know. Break the bonds of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Receive these offerings in thanksgiving for all your works of merciful power and shape us as people of your justice and freedom. You we magnify and adore through Jesus our Savior. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our salutary, that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God, you are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so loved the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin, do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, remembering therefore his salutary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again. We give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Come and taste the joy of God. Thanks be to God. of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Healing that springs forth abundantly from this table. Renew our strength to do justice, love kindness, and journey humbly with you. Amen. Amen. The God who faithfully brings forth justice and breaks the oppressor's rod, bless and strengthen and uphold you today and always. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace. Follow the way of Jesus. Thanks be to God.